So we bring cyclists into the lab and we say, okay, here's a goal that you should meet a certain distance in a certain amount of time based on your fitness that you should be comfortable for you. So go away and race after that goal. And away they go. And at the end, we tell each and every one of them, no matter how well they did, oh, sorry, you failed. But it's okay because you got another chance. Have another go. Now, what's really interesting is the non-perfectionistic people don't really change their effort on the second occasion. If anything, they put in a little bit more. But the perfectionistic people, people who score high on perfectionism, their effort drops off a cliff. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure, the show for successful people and for those who want to become successful. The only show that reveals the true nature of success. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Thomas Curran. Thomas Curran is the world's foremost expert on perfectionism, something that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a little bit of a, a dose of this yourself. Thomas is a professor of psychology and behavioral science at the London School of Economics, and he's the author of the book, The Perfection Trap, Embracing the Power of Good Enough. And he gives some great examples of very successful people who were are and were perfectionists and some very successful people who were not perfectionists and, you know, explains how even those who were perfectionists, how they may have found success and then how you can actually find even greater success by not being a perfectionist. And certainly there are some traits that we think about as good, positive things that will help you be successful as far as perfectionism goes. But Thomas actually debunks those and, and talks to us about how there's no correlation between perfectionism and performance. So fascinating interview. I absolutely love this. And I know that you're going to love this. And I know you know at least one other person who is going to enjoy this episode. So think about that one person, that parent or that friend or that coach or that teacher who you know, that one person who you can share this episode with. Just let them know about the Success Through Failure podcast and tell them to check out episode number 421 with Thomas Curran. All right, here we go. Let's get into my interview with the world's foremost expert, on perfectionism, Thomas Curran. Your research has uncovered a rise in perfectionism among college students, and I think that probably extends to the rest of us, myself included. Social media seems to be the biggest contributing factor. Are there any other factors that we might not be aware of that's contributing to this? Yeah, social media, absolutely, no doubt about it. Obviously, a huge projector of limitless images of perfect lives and lifestyles but it isn't just social media i think there are other aspects of modern life that definitely push on need need to be perfect uh, you can think of schools colleges there's higher pressure to excel almost as soon as you walk through the school gates with standardized tests and, and the rankings and setting and then you need to get to college which is really competitive and then when you get to college it doesn't really stop and it keeps going and the pressure just keeps ratcheting up so there's definitely pressures there to achieve and excel in the workplace too right like you've got this incessant need to hustle grind kind of almost bound your identity to your work and and make it a lifestyle that's also i think has a has an impact on our need to achieve and excel and be perfect and um, parents in practice have changed too parents become more expectant in response to those academic pressures uh, and i think they're having an impact as well so there's a whole litany of factors i think i think that can help us understand why perfectionism is rising but you're absolutely right to highlight that it is rising and, and that should be cause for us all to really think about why that is yeah why 
you know, is this something that should just drive us? Or, you know, why do we need to be concerned? Because perfectionism is very different to things that it's often conflated with, confused with, things like conscientiousness, meticulousness, diligence. All of these things are really amazing things and they and they encapsulate things the high standards and a need, an active, I guess, optimistic need to improve, do better. Perfectionism is very different to those things. And the reason why it's problematic is because it comes from a place, a deficit, a place of lack. So a need to feel like we are worth something in the world for our performances, for our appearances, for the outcomes of our actions. And when we haven't achieved, or when we haven't performed, or we haven't appeared perfectly, we fear that other people are going to see that they're going to judge us harshly and as a consequence perfectionistic people really hide from the world they disguise all their imperfections and flaws so very human imperfections and flaws that each and every one of us has um in the service of gaining other people's approval and validation and that's an exhausting way to live and it's really problematic when things start to go wrong is there room for hustle and grind i mean those are some of the things that i mean People who are in my line of work write books and have podcasts with that name in the title, and they promote hustle and grind and embrace the grind, all of this. There's sort of a culture of, I've heard it called hustle porn out there, <laughs> where you know people are posting on social media just hustle and grinding. I mean, is there room for that too? Is, is there some good to that? And where's the tipping point? Well, the best one I heard was in, embrace the grind set which uh, I heard recently, which <laughs> made me laugh. Look, it's it's all over the place right now. And look, there's no problem with working hard, wanting to do well, having aspirations, having high goals. All of those things are great. Absolutely no problem. The difficulty becomes when it starts to take over your entire existence and your lifestyle and your life and your identity becomes bound to your goals, aspirations and outcomes particularly in the workplace, right? This is really, becomes really problematic because then you sacrifice things that are important to you, things that are very rejuvenating, like time and time with your family, time with your friends, exercise, good diet, good sleep. All these things are really rejuvenating. By the way, all these things are really important for performance, right? You can work hard, but you can also work too hard, unsustainably hard, and that can end in burnout. So yes, look, nothing wrong with working hard, nothing wrong with any of that, but it's got to be sustainable, it's got to be healthy, and it's got to be balanced. And I think perfectionists go too far in one direction, and that's why it doesn't necessarily correlate performance. Yeah, yeah. So I want to touch on that. So hold, hold that thought. I, I want to know why it doesn't necessarily correlate with performance. I want to go deeper there. But first, you know, I, I think back to my own wrestling career, and, you know, I've talk to you about my TEDx talk about why I teach my children to fail. And, you know, I failed my freshman, sophomore and junior year in college to reach my goal. And leading into my senior year, I finally realized that I can't control the outcome. All I can control is the process. And I'm just going to do everything that I can possibly do that's in my power. And the outcome is going to be what it's going to be. Like I can't, I literally can, I released the outcome to God, to fate, to whatever you want to call it. And I focused just on the process and it allowed me to put down this fear of failure. And I think to use your terms and based upon your research, I, I let go of perfectionism. I let go of trying to be somebody who I wanted to be that I wasn't just in the pursuit simply now of the process of being the best version of myself, whatever that version ended up being. Is, is that kind of the crux of, of what we're talking about here? Gosh, yeah. I mean, that's so liberating, isn't it? Just to let things go. Because there are things, many, many things we can't control in life. And I think the perfectionist biggest 
I guess, roadblock or self-sabotaging way of thinking is that they can perfect and control everything that everything and all around them can be stage managed and impressed and managed and that's so important by the way that's like that's the whole part of the ex- uh, perfectionistic existence is to manage impressions all the time when actually it's just not the case there are so many things that happen to us that we can't control grief heartbreak loss um health scares global pandemic <laughs> comes around the corner screws everything up. These are things we just simply cannot control. And the moment you let that go, the moment you accept that, it's almost like taking a sledgehammer to perfectionism because it really stops you blaming yourself for the things that are way beyond your control and handing yourself over to fate. And of course, fate is nothing personal. Sometimes things will go well. Sometimes they won't. That's okay. The, the, The important part is the journey. Having aspirations, goals, and a destination that you want to get to is really, really important, but it might take a little longer than you think it's going to take. And there's going to be all sorts of hurdles along the way. Accepting that and knowledge that makes you more ready to take on those hurdles um, and cope with them in a way that's really healthy and adaptive rather than in a way maladaptive, which is a perfectionist way, which is self-love and self-criticize. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. For the listeners, I, I follow, you know, wrestling is kind of my background. That's my sort of, you know, early view of the world came from wrestling. And, and I follow a lot of, you know, Olympic gold medalists and world-class performers in, in that particular sport and other sports, but a lot of wrestlers in my, you know, in, in wrestling interviews in my social media feeds. And so you hear these top highest level performers and they don't find their identity in wrestling, in, in the one thing that they do. I mean, the best of the best truly find you know, an identity in something bigger than just like their performance. And now I do believe that some of that is they're, they're trying to, right? Maybe they do have their identity in their, in their thing, but they're really, they know that the best way to get themselves to perform the best and just to show up and be the best version of themselves you know, results be darned, they talk themselves into letting go of the outcome and focusing on the process. And this is where performance psychology comes from. This is sports psychology 101. But it's so critical to see that and understand that, that these world-class performers, and again, talking to the listener, like understand that, that Stephen Covey had a great concept in the seven habits of highly effective people start with the end in mind. We all know that, listen, we all know that. We all want to be you know, millionaires and Olympic gold medalists and the CEO and the whatever it is of your walk of life. We know that the outcome that you want is there. You truly have to find ways to release the outcome so that you can just show up and be fully yourself. And that's not an easy thing to do. So, Thomas, you mentioned that there's not a correlation between perfectionism and performance. Tell me about that because it really seems like there should be, right? The person who's, at least in the way that we see and think about perfectionism is like, oh, they just, you know, like you said, you know, they're meticulous and attention to detail and they work really hard, but you're saying there's no correlation between perfectionism and performance. Talk about that. Yeah. The data says that there's weak to non-existent correlations. And that's really curious because you'd think that perfectionistic people would be more successful. You see successful perfectionists all over the place, Steve Jobs, Serena Williams, John McEnroe, all the rest of it. Um, and you know that they work really, really hard. So there's so what explains that paradox? Well, 
what's happening is a couple of things. Perfectionists do work hard. They burn out, basically. They work unsustainably hard and they burn out. And burnout is not conducive to performance in the slightest. But there's a second, more interesting reason than the burnout explanation for why perfectionism doesn't correlate with performance. And that's because perfectionists are world champion self-sabotagers. So as I mentioned, perfectionism is a very defensive mindset focused on deficit, avoiding mistakes and failure. And so what tends to happen when, perfect, when perfectionists hit challenge is something really interesting. We show this in the lab. So we put, and sport, and interesting meant sport, because we use sport a lot. Sport's a really interesting conduit for uh, examining failure. So we uh, bring cyclists into the lab and we say, okay, here's a goal that you should meet a certain distance in a certain amount of time based on your fitness that you should be comfortable for you. So go away and race after that goal. And away they go. And at the end, we tell each and every one of them, no matter how well they did, oh, sorry, you failed. But it's okay because you got another chance. Have another go. Now, what's really interesting is the non-perfectionistic people don't really change their effort on the second occasion. If anything, they put in a little bit more. But the perfectionistic people, people who score high on perfectionism, their effort drops off a cliff. They stop trying because in their minds, they can't fail at something that they didn't try at. And this is what goes on in the mind of the perfectionists. They're so intently and acutely aware of the impact of fear and how that looks to other people that they will go to the lengths of self-sabotaging the chances of success just to avoid failure. So they avoid, they withdraw, they withhold. And this doesn't just look like complete withdrawal. It can look like partial withdrawal. Things like procrastination is very strongly correlated and tied to perfectionism because perfectionists find it really difficult to attend to really complex tasks that require a lot of mental energy. And the worry and doubt about their ability to do those things means that they just want to avoid those feelings. They go away and watch a TikTok video or go away and cook up a, a recipe or do something, anything else, just to avoid the intensity of that task. But of course, they're just damaged by the passage of time. So none of these things are particularly conducive to performance. Burnout, avoidance of complex tasks and procrastination, and yet perfectionistic people do them all the time. And this is why perfectionism doesn't have as strong a relationship as performance as we think it should. You mentioned Steve Jobs and John McEnroe and others. How do they do it, right? You know, from the outside looking in, they appear to be perfectionists and you're saying that they're not. Well, I say they are perfectionists, but they, they got to the top despite their perfectionism, not because of it. And I'll tell you why. Because what we're suffering from here is something called survivorship bias. What we're seeing in these high-profile performers are people who made it through some very intense selection process. Uh, and of course, they needed a lot of daring, a lot of effort, a lot of talent, um, a lot of risk-taking, and a lot of creativity and all amazing things. But they also relied on a lot of luck and being in the right place at the right time, meeting the right people, coming from the right background. If they're an elite athlete, having genes that are conducive to the sport that they're excelling in, for example, things that are way beyond the um, purview of those perfectionistic tendencies. And yet all we see is the perfectionist tendencies because all we see is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we've got to be really aware of this selection effect because it can dupe us into thinking that just because these people who've made it through that process of perfectionist and it must be perfectionism that got them there when actually it's other factors that are probably way way more important and that what we don't see are the millions and millions of perfectionistic people who are doing exactly the same things but don't have the olympic medal don't have the fortune 500 company to show for for all of those hard work and tendencies and our research shows quite clearly that perfectionism is more likely to end in exhaustion, burnout, and self-sabotage rather than making it 
to the very top. So I think I'm not saying these people aren't perfectionistic people, but I think we have to be very aware of survivor bias when we interpret them. Yeah, it's a great point. I think about you know the the wrestling story that I shared earlier, but also whenever I speak in front of an audience, like I still get nerves, you know, just like I'm going into a competition whenever I speak in front of a group and I, I I know and I'm aware of the fact that when I try to give a perfect speech, I get really nervous and it's really hard for me. And for anybody who actually, you know, I mentioned my TEDx talk earlier, I was really nervous for that speech. Just for anybody who wants to go back and watch it again, I was so nervous that I had it like planned word for word because it was like only a seven minute talk. And gosh, I was so nervous for that. And you can't can't tell it came out came out great. Luckily, so I succeeded at that. Despite, in your terms, Thomas, like despite my perfectionism, I gave what I think to be a, a good talk. But in all my other talks now, as a professional speaker, I let go. I let go. I have to consciously, intentionally let go of perfectionism and saying I'm going to you know, nail every single point and everything's going to be perfect here. I let go of that. And I instead focus on, for me, I have to focus on, you know, service, loving, caring for the audience member, knowing that I'm there to love them and support them and to serve them takes my mind off of perfectionism and just allows me to show up and rely on my training and rely on my practice as opposed to wishing and hoping and, you know, putting the pressure on myself to have a perfect result. Yeah, and speaking as a vocation rather than a Kaiser obsession, which is, uh, by the way, you know, your experiences resonate with mine. When I did a TED talk, I was incredibly nervous and I was worried about failing and screwing up. And mine wasn't a good talk, but it wasn't a bad talk either. And that for the perfectionist is good enough. <laughs> like, yeah. By the way, for the listener, we'll have that in the action plan. It's a great TEDx talk. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Jim. Um, but the point is that that's, a, it, that's an important switch up in the mind, in my mind too. You know, my grandfather was a really good example of this. A master craftsman. And he made uh, banisters, uh, chairs, uh, window frames, things that people used and and enjoyed. His name wasn't on them or uh, he didn't have his ego invested in anything he made. He just made them to leave them in the world because other people needed to use them. Uh, This wasn't this obsession with reviews and all the rest of it that we have now. But he didn't get If someone thought he did a bad job, well, you know what? As long as he knew he did his best, that was good enough. And if he left a bit of varnish off or whatever, like, you know, he'd have just seen that as part part of being a fallible human being. it just happens but that's very different to the perfectionist in mindset which is basically it yeah i can't make any mistakes everybody's watching and they're waiting to let me know if i screw up and so you start to not do things for the reason they should be done that is to say leave something in the world like leave a ted talk in the world leave leave an impression on people but instead doing it to try to avoid at all costs being seen to screw up or being seen to have that bulletproof narrative that you're trying to erect yourself shattered by one terrible outcome. And it's just so, I can't emphasize enough, it's such an important switch up to be able to see it as something that you're, something that's a vocation, that you're leaving something good for people to use in the world. And that's a, that's a really important way to approach these things. We talk about the John McEnroe's and the Steve Jobs who maybe found success despite their perfectionism. I think it was Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, who talked about Steve Jobs and and Bill Gates and some others in that sort of generation who there was a certain uh, sequence of circumstances that led them to be in the right place at the right time, et cetera. Obviously, he's he's worked very hard and all all the great things that, that Steve Jobs did and Bill Gates has done. But do you have any examples of people who have actually become high achievers who 
actually found that balance between perfectionism or maybe not even perfection maybe maybe they found the balance between you know you know paying attention to detail working really hard and having peak performance like from your research any sort of behind the scenes glimpses into the lives of of these individuals do they exist out there people who have achieved at a really really high level were not perfectionists and you know really didn't burn out yeah there's loads of examples that you can look to people that um, appear on the surface anyway to have a very uh, balanced and I guess almost serene outlook to uh, success and who have made it to the very top. I can think in the business world of someone like Richard Branson, for instance, who's talked quite openly about how, you know, these excessively high standards and striving all day and night isn't the way to success. I can think of people like Bob Dylan in the music world, for instance, who who was quite clear that <laughs> perfection is an unattainable goal and you know, he knew that he didn't have an amazing voice, but the story was the most important thing. You know, it's the meaning, the purpose, the telling of tales that bring light to life and light in his own life, but in other people's too. I mean, for Roger Federer, you know, an incredibly talented athlete, but whose natural, certainly natural talents have taken him very far. But he also, when you listen to him speak, has a very philosophical outlook on life and is extreme, seems a very compassionate guy, takes success and failure in his stride and focuses more on the process, as you mentioned at the very top. That's very clear in his in his narrative. So, you know, you can point to so many examples of people that have succeeded and they're not particularly perfectionistic, but unfortunately, in modern culture often points us in the direction of the obsessive people who you know the the musks and the jobs and all the rest of it who who seem to be you know exceptionally hard working and we don't see the others who've done more or less the same outcomes but with uh, far less stress and strife if that makes sense yeah, ed sheeran i've recently seen some interviews with ed sheeran talking about how he simply embraces who he is fully embraces who he is all his you know his self-proclaimed weirdness and you know struggles in his own life and you know he he had a stutter when he was younger just so many challenges and now he's a world-renowned musician and you know known by many many millions of people around the world not despite his lack of perfection but in a lot of ways, because of his lack of perfection and how he's embraced that. And it's, and it's fascinating to see those. And you're right, we, we don't really highlight those. We just see the person on top of the podium or you know, on TV or ringing the bell on Wall Street, and we don't really know their backstory. And a lot of times it includes failure. So that's what I want to ask you about next, Thomas, is you, know, you embrace the notion of, or you talk about the notion of embracing our imperfections in the book can you provide any insights into how individuals, myself, the listeners can reframe our relationship with failure and view it as a stepping stone towards growth and towards success? Like, how do we look at failure as, as a stepping stone and not, not a setback? There are a number of different, very specific techniques. So we can talk about self-compassion, making sure that we're kind to ourselves and we haven't, when we slipped up or haven't quite, things haven't quite planned panned out the way we planned reframing irrational beliefs around how it must and having to and kind of softening while it would be nice to it would be great if pushing ourselves out there being courageous as Brené Brown talks extensively about but I think the main one really is to rekindle a sense that actually what matters is not making it but rather living with purpose and meaning 
and Nassim Taleb did a really interesting experiment, and he found that if to make it to the very top of any um, profession, and usually the example of sport will sort of stay with that, you have to be a Six Sigma individual. That's one in 1.4 million people actually make it to the very top, right? It's a completely improbable goal. Now, not to say that it can't happen, and not to say that, by the way, we can't have aspirations like those aspirations, but the point is it's important to remember in our minds that it may not happen. In fact, it's highly likely not to happen, and that actually, even if we get one or two standard deviations away from the mean, that is an objective success. That still makes us above 60% of the population, still makes us above 95% of the population. Those are objective successes. But if all we see is a 0.01% or the unicorn achiever or the CEO or the Olympic champion, then it kind of gives us a warped sense of what's realistic. And if we can accept that we're very likely to be way closer to the average than we are to be closer to... Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. And I think that gives us a bit of permission, actually, to work hard. And if our talents and abilities take us top, that's great. Enjoy it. But also, if they don't, it's okay too. And actually, what's most important is for us to live with a sense of purpose, meaning working hard and trying within that new context of success, i.e. if we can make it one standard deviation, if we can make it two, uh, that is really how we can define high performance and success. And it takes a lot of pressure off ourselves to shoot for what are incredibly unrealistic uh, ideas that modern society celebrates. So purpose, meaning way more important than the outcome and try to figure out success within a framework of, that's realistic and achievable. Um, and if we can do that, I think we'll take a lot of the pressure off ourselves uh, to excel, excel, excel and be perfect all the time. Boy, that concept, that idea of permission, it's interesting if you can give yourself that permission to work hard, have aspirations, but failure is okay, and, and you may or may not get there. If you can actually embrace that, ironically, that is the path that will more likely get you closer to success. It's just this ironic twist that you have to embrace that you will more likely succeed if you let go of the outcome. <laughs> and it's it is a mind trick that for the listeners, I walked into a match against the fourth ranked wrestler in the country, the national championships, my senior year in front of 15,000 people, fully knowing that my life as I knew it was on the line, thinking that, believing that, that if I win and knowing that if I win this match, I become a, an All-American. And if I lose, I go home again with nothing at the end of my wrestling career. And letting go, I literally had to let go. I had to force myself in that moment to say, listen, go for it. And, and if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, that's fine too. You have to be okay with that. And gosh, it's not an easy balance to strike, but it, but it is something that for the listener, if you can find ways to, as Thomas said, live with passion, live with purpose and chase your best and make it just simply you against you and not you against the world, not only do you perform higher, but you actually have a lot more fun and you're a lot happier. Again, I'm using this one sort of example, this senior season I had where I had so much fun competing. I'm using this as an example because it's the most stark example in my own life. But I had so much fun and so much enjoyment that year just embracing the process as opposed to feeling the pressure. And, it, and it's it, that translates directly to the lives of the listeners as well. Yeah, yeah, it's so, so important. Thomas, any tactics? Like how do we do this? Okay, any any daily tactics 
tactics, habits, routines? What can we do in the next 24 to 48 hours or start doing in order to shift our mindset and start moving away from perfectionism and, and more towards simply focusing on the process, not the outcome? Well, there's a few things, as I mentioned, I would definitely encourage you to practice self-compassion. I think that's so, so important, as I mentioned. Uh, Reframing those irrational beliefs around perfectionism is also crucial. You're often going to tell yourself you have to do something. This is so, so important. And if I don't, everything's going to come crashing down. Well, actually, do you actually believe that? And is that really? And is that reasonable? And is that a rational belief? Often it's the case that it isn't. And I'd encourage you when you're thinking those things and tying yourself in knots, uh, and putting yourself under pressure to actually write those thoughts down, rate them as to what extent you actually believe in them and try to find more constructive, realistic and compassionate ways uh, to reframe those beliefs. So reframing is also really um, important. And I think finally, failure, as you mentioned, is so crucial to success. It's so crucial to learning. And it's also very humanizing too. You know, we were just human beings. We we are flawed. We are fallible. We are exhaustible. And there's something quite freeing and liberating in understanding that and realizing that failure is just part and parcel of being a human being it's humanizing um it's not humiliating those are three messages i'd send out to your listeners yeah and humanizing in a way that really is authentic it's genuine and that breeds stronger connections better trust more credibility etc and for, again, for the listener, you know, Thomas is talking about writing this stuff down. You can't just listen to this podcast episode and then go back to being a perfectionist. You have to actually do something about this, right? Whether it's journaling, working with a coach, which is what we do, you have to hit the pause button, get out of your own head and actually do things, you know, meditation, anything that's going to bring mindfulness and awareness in the long term. Absolutely. Thomas, where can the listener find you, follow you, buy the book, et cetera? You can Google me, Thomas Curran, The Perfection Trap. The book will come up and it would be great to hear from listeners. If you do pick up the book, I'd love to hear from readers. So please do get in touch. Excellent. Thanks, Thomas. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.